I love biographies. When I go to a bookstore, my favorite section is the biography section. I love, I don't know why, but I love to know how other people live. I wanted to know their triumphs, their tragedies, and their tales. You know, everything that involves people. I especially like the stories of women, I will say that. But men every once in a while can be all right. I, I was just recently in Washington, D.C., and I went to Monticello to Thomas Jefferson's house. And it's interesting because when you see the rooms and you see their house, you wanna know more about them, especially Sally Hemings. And you wanna just know, for those of you who have read anything on Thomas Jefferson, you just wanna know everything about them. You wanna know about his first wife, Martha, and the two daughters that lived, and you wanna know about the people that he entertained there, and just everything about Thomas Jefferson. And I find myself, you know, when I, I'll get interested in George Washington, I'll get interested in, in these different people. And so I want to read the biographies. I want to know who they married. I want to know if there's any romance. You know, you, you put a little bit of romance, you got me hooked. I want to, you know, I just love how they met and how they knew they were in love. Uh, you know, what, you know, I don't, you know, what, what they wore. And that's what sets us, I think, apart as women. We want to know details, don't we? I mean, I love details. Brian would do a wedding, and I'd say, what did the dress look like? He'd say, it was white. I'm like, no, no, no. Sleeves. I don't know. You don't know whether it had sleeves or didn't have sleeves? I wasn't looking. How could you stand in front of a woman who's wearing a dress and not see her? Who's looking at their eyes, Cheryl? I'm like, oh. But I love details. I, I, you know, I love to look at the wallpaper. I like to know what the dress, sleeveless, short sleeve, cap sleeves, those are important. And that's, I love the details in biographies. I wanna know how many children they had and what became of their children. When I was in college, I went to college for one year in Santa Barbara. And in those days, because these were the olden days, you used to be able to go right up to the gate of an airport. Remember those days? There was no security. There was nothing called TSA. And I remember we used to go and we used to sit and we would, uh, there would be a group of us and we just did this about once a month and we'd choose a destination. You know, it might be England. It might be, you know, um, Venezuela. It, it might be, you know, Arizona or Georgia. We would choose a destination. Then we would go sit at that gate and watch the people getting on the plane. And for us, it was just fascinating to, you know, look what they're wearing, to see how they talked, what they talked about. They had no idea that we were spies and we would not be getting on that plane with them. We just wanted to observe them. And it was so fun. And you could kind of see a difference, you know, like we're like, ah, so we would go to the airport and go, I bet that one's going to Georgia. You know, we, after a while, you kind of know, and it was so fun. I also was taught by my mother that if you walk at twilight, People have not closed their curtains, but they have the lights on in their house. Yeah, you thought Chuck and Kay were just romantic taking those twilight walks. You had no idea. You could kind of see how people have decorated and like, oh, the living room's in the front of the house. Or, oh, that's their dining room. Oh, the kitchen. You can see in. You know, and I don't know. I, not that I do that. But I, I love just getting kind of insights into, you know, who lives in that house and what's going on in that house, especially some of those houses, what's going on in that house? I especially love the stories of royalty, how the royals lived. 
uh, my daughter was telling me about a television program she's been watching. I don't know if any of you have seen it. I haven't seen it yet. But it was, um, it's these people who try to live like the royals did in those days. And she said it was very eye-opening. She no longer wishes she lived in the days of Marie Antoinette after she watched that show. I guess Marie Antoinette bathed in all of her clothes. That's a different story. I didn't see the program, but... But I love to see how other people of other generations lived, especially the royals. When we moved to England, I got a book with all the kings and queens of England. And my seven-year-old, Kelsey, read it at the time. She was seven now. She's old now. But when she was seven, she read that book. And she could tell you all the details of who reigned when and what their lives were about. In fact, she even could name in order the six wives of Henry VIII. But the Bible is full of the stories of people. And it's the story of the greatest royalty ever and how they were chosen and how they became royal. And it's just so exciting to read their biographies because you find that they have so many similarities to us. They have dreams like we have dreams. They have setbacks like we have setbacks. And we can read about how it started and who it was passed down to and how it was passed down. And the Bible gives us details about those in the royal line. And their stories are told in the pages of scripture, when they lived, how they lived, the mistakes they made. I'm sorry, but I love it when I read about people's mistakes. I think, oh, good, because I've done that one. You know, it's like going over to somebody's house and they're apologizing for the mess. And you're like, I'm so glad that you're normal and you have messes in your house sometimes because now you can come over to my house. I know you're safe because I got the, I got the goods on you and I can blackmail you. So this is so perfect. You know, so we're safe with each other. I love that. The encounters that they had with God, how God spoke to them, when God spoke to them. When God was silent, so that when there's a period of silence in our life, we won't be afraid, but we'll know to press in. I love to read what they did and how they did it by faith and how God came through in their lives. We will be reading as we study this lineage also about all the different types of people that God chose. We'll study pioneers and rascals, slaves and warriors, notorious women foreign women, shepherds, farmers, kings, both good and bad, exiles, governors, and some that we study will be noteworthy for their faith and others will be notorious for their failures and still others will be mentioned only by name and yet still in the lineage of faith. We will learn that all of these, good, bad, noble, ignoble, were chosen by God to hold a promise, to hold a heritage, a sacred heritage, and to hold on to faith. They entered by faith in God, and they entered in because of the fidelity of God's promises, because we will learn that God's promises cannot and will not fail. You know, I think about those who have prodigals and how God is working right now because of prayer on those prodigals. And we can claim them in Jesus and say, 
one day they will come to Jesus because I have prayed. I love to put the word yet. They have not come to Christ yet because the Holy Spirit is hounding them and they will come. There is so much to learn in this lineage. John Henry Corcoran, who's one of the pastors here on staff at Calvary, got saved through reading Matthew chapter one and the lineage of Jesus Christ. He was an Irishman. He was very successful um, in his business in Ireland and found out that his accountant had been swindling him out of money and not, being, and not paying the taxes to the government. And in just a few weeks, John Henry began to lose everything that he had worked so hard for and everything that he owned. And he was having a semi-nervous breakdown when his wife, Hillary, told him, John Henry, I know this family, and they read the Bible, and they were different, so you need to read the Bible. So he took the Bible, and he opened it up at the first page of Matthew, and there was the lineage of Jesus Christ. And as he began to read it, he realized Jesus was a real person with a history. And he turned to Hillary and he said, it's all true. It's all true. And he began to study each person in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was not only a historical figure. He was uh, Josephus, Irenaeus. Uh, taciturn, all these historians write about Jesus. He is an absolute fact, but he has a traceable history. What is interesting also about this lineage, as we see, it will stop at Jesus Christ because we are all sons of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters by faith. That's one, but two, the lineage of Judah was lost in 70 AD, when Titus destroyed Jerusalem, there is nobody who can trace their lineage back to the tribe of Judah. No one. Which means what? That Jesus is the last of the line, the Messiah. This is our Jesus. It's important because we will find similarities in their stories to our own stories. What they endured will often be the same things we're enduring. What they believed is the same thing we believed. How God delivered them is how God will deliver us. How God brought them through trials will be how our God will deliver us and bring us through. And as we read their stories, you're going to find your own story. We will also see the grace of God on display. No one in this whole lineage is perfect. I am so excited. Nobody is perfect. That gives me so much hope because don't we as women put the pressure of being perfect on ourselves? Did we fold the napkin right at the place setting? Are our forks and knives and spoons right where they should be? I mean, don't you do that to yourself? Am I the only one? that it's only if company's coming. If it's my kids, we just throw it on the table. But, you know, we have to act like we do more than that if company's coming. (laughs) But we put that pressure on ourselves to always say the right thing, always do the right thing, always act the right way, as if we're not fallen humanity in need of a savior. 
but we will see that they are not perfect. No one is perfect but Jesus. Jesus is perfect that he might perfect us and give us everything that is lacking. We will see some that we'll actually be astounded by, that God would actually invite them in and qualify them. You're going to say, what? You forgave him? You qualified him? Now, again, this gives me hope because there are those that I'm praying for that I can think God can do it. God can do it. I can't do it. Have you ever tried to sanctify someone? Yes, you have. Any mother here has tried to sanctify people. Anybody who's married has tried sanctification. We cannot sanctify people, but Jesus can. He can qualify them and make them all they were meant to be and bring them into the body of Christ. Those that we often give up on, God is able to bring them in. Years ago, I remember we had some neighbors that got so upset with us. And every time that we would drive by their house, if they were in their driveway, they made an awful gesture at us. It was bad. It was really bad. So I I learned not to look that way when they were there. And I remember a year later, because we moved, being at the market and seeing this couple and going, oh my goodness, I'm going to hide behind the, you know, cans of tomatoes. I do not want to see them. But she caught me. She saw me. And she goes, and she smiled and she waved and she's blowing me kisses. I'm like, okay, either that woman had a stroke (laughs) or something has changed. So I just kind of, you know, like, I'm still going to go hide behind the tomatoes. And I did. And I waited for them to leave. And then I got in line and I checked my groceries out and I made sure that they weren't waiting in the parking lot for me. And about a month or two months later, I ran into her daughter and I said, I saw your mother in the market and she actually waved at me and blew me kisses. And she said, oh yeah, I didn't tell you. My mother and stepfather have become born again and they love you now. They had gone around and told everybody in the neighborhood that Brian and I were a cult. Now, they're the ones that did the weird things over pregnant women to say whether it was a boy or girl, but we were the cult. But they'd gotten born again. And she said, not only did they get born again, but they've gotten involved in this other Calvary. And my mother is helping with the women's ministry. I said, are you kidding me? I mean, they were on my least likely to be saved list, you know? But we will have hope for our neighbors and those we are praying for that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. My little grandson came home from school um, yesterday. No, it was last week. Yesterday is relative term. It can be anywhere up to 20 years ago. (laughs) It's because I'm forever young in Jesus. And so are you. But he comes home and he's like, Mom, Mom. Am I on the lamb's list? Now, when he started kindergarten, he's now in second grade. He made a list of his enemies and friends. Who does that, right? So he comes and she's like, I don't know. Is that a good citizen's list? And he goes, no, it's the thing that Jesus wrote for those who are going to make it to heaven. And she goes, oh, you mean the lamb's book of life? Yes, mom, I got to get in that book. Get me on that list. And said they prayed together, and I am happy to say that Ryder Smith is on that list. But you also, if you've received Jesus Christ, you are on that list, and you are in this lineage. And again, utter amazement that I am on that list. 
Others that we'll read about are totally unnoteworthy. They didn't do anything that we know of. We We don't know anything more than a name. But the fact that their very name is listed in this lineage is different than the majority of the world whose names are not written down in any annals of history or on any lineages. This will encourage us of God's great grace towards us. If he can accept them, he can accept us. It will assure us that God is simply looking for those who will give them their hearts. We will also see the faithfulness of God to his promises. God protected this lineage through upheaval, famine, captivity, exile, bondage, war, and prosperity. Because sometimes prosperity is more dangerous to someone's spiritual life than war and upheaval. Isn't that true? Amen, Cheryl. Thank you. If I can't get it from you, I'll get it from myself. In fact, I do that with Brian, too. He's really into his cell phone. So if he's, because men can't multitask, they think they can. But if they're looking at their phone, they're not hearing us. They're looking at their phone. So I've learned to do this. You know, Brian, this was my day, and I'll tell him about it, and I'll, nothing. And so I'll say, well, Cheryl, that was quite an interesting day. You are quite a woman and a wife to persevere through that. Thank you, honey, for coming home to me and loving me like you have for these 34 years. There's not another woman out there that would stick it out with me. He says sometimes he just pretends to look at his cell phone to find out what he's going to (laughs) say. Or what he needs to say. Every word that God has promised was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. No word has failed. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, the prophets, the word of God. But we will see how those in this lineage revered and held tightly to God's promises. And we will learn how to receive the promises of God, how to hold tightly to those promises. And we will see how they allowed God to work in their life so that we will allow God to work in our lives. So many times the very implements that are bringing us into the promises of God are the very implements that we are resisting. And thinking, this cannot possibly be God. But as you read their stories, you're like, oh yeah, that is God. I guess that is how he works. I guess that is a tool he uses. And we will begin to have open hands to allow God to work in our lives. You know, I think about, I make bread. And you know, you need the, um, you need the bread to get the yeast permeating through the whole batch of dough so everything will rise. And I think sometimes that we need to bring the agency of the promises of God and let God knead it into our lives so that it permeates our entire lives and raises us up with Christ. We need to allow God to work the promises in. And I promise you, he uses means and ways that are so foreign to us and and don't feel right at times. And yet these are the very things, the all things work together. The all things work together for the good or the benefit to fulfill the promises for those who are called according to the purposes of God.
And that's what we will learn through their lives. We will learn different dimensions of faith. We will see how faith was demonstrated by those in the lineage. We'll see what their faith looked like. And we will learn how to pass down this faith to the next generation. Because that's what they did. It was passed down from faith to faith to faith to faith. Sometimes, uh, if you'll look at this lineage, there are some people that are omitted from this lineage, certain names of kings. Why? Because it was not passed down from that king, but from the grandfather to the grandson. And maybe that's how it's going to be for some of you as grandmothers. We are passing that faith down to our grandchildren. I know my grandsons are staying with me right now and little writer who's now in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm reading him his Bible stories at night. And he's like, um, we just came to David. And he's like, oh, man, I can't wait for tomorrow. It's David. And I'm thinking, that is just like so cool. And I was actually, we had watched an Odyssey video, you know, one of the Dobson videos. So bad grandma, I was tired. I was thinking we were going to skip the Bible story. He's like, grandma, you can't skip the Bible story. I need my Bible story. And I'm like, yes, sir. You know, here I am, the delinquent Christian grandma, right? And he has to tell me to read the Bible story. Oh my, I'm not perfect, but I'm in the lineage. We will be inspired to bless the next generation and those around us with the promises of faith through Jesus. That's what we get to do. That is our privilege. This lineage is so important because this lineage has become each of our lineage by faith in the work of Christ. Listen to this, Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers for the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God in the spirit. You belong. You belong to the lineage of Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have the promises of God. The promises of this Bible are ours through Christ Jesus. As it tells us in 2 Corinthians, all the promises of God are in Christ. And they are yes and amen to the glory of God. Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter 2 verses 3 through 4. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers in the divine nature. This is what is bringing us in. These people in this lineage are in this lineage by faith and the promise of God. So we are here today by faith and the promises of God. And those promises that were made to our forefathers through Christ are just as powerful today to us 
the heirs of Christ Jesus. All the promises of God. In Galatians 3.29, Paul says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You see, we are part of this lineage and heirs according to the promise. Titus 3.7 and Hebrews 6.17 again tells us that we are now part of this great bloodline of Jesus Christ because we have received the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ according to Ephesians 1.7. Now, this year, it is time to trace our ancestral lines of faith to do our DNA testing, our divine testing. This is what we are going to study. My mother was adopted, for those who don't know, and she never knew um, you know, where she came from, her ethnic, ethnic that thing, the ticity thing. I can do the front and I can do the back, the eth and the ticity. You fill in the other part, nah. Ethnicity, or something like that. So, uh, you know what? As soon as I get down from the stage, I'll be able to say it perfectly. It's the curse of the microphone. But anyway, she's always wanted to know, you know, who and what she was. So lately, we, we've done four DNA testings because we're just going to choose the one we like the best. But I just did one the other day. You know, my daughters made me do it. And, you know, we're, we're doing the inside. Now, all my life I've been told I'm English and Irish, right? I get it back. There's no English. And Irish is like at the very, very bottom of the thing. And the results have been incredible. You know, and I'm not sure I like this one. Because this is Czech. And it says Czech. And it says Venezuelan. I don't know where that one snuck in. And it says Iraqi and Austrian and, and some really interesting things. But anyway, that's only one of four I've taken. The other one said European. But, it, but you know, this DNA, I don't know if they really know. Because what they're saying is, well, we're matching you. This one said, we're matching you with people who have the most similar DNA structures of your DNA structure. I think that they just take those tests and say, what do you think she wants? Let's give it to her. So who knows? But we have a greater ancestry, don't we? We have a greater DNA, the DNA of faith, the DNA that comes in, that is imparted to us through Jesus Christ. We have greater relatives than Jesse James or President Polk or Daniel Boone or Marie Antoinette. We can trace the lineage of faith to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Boaz, who must have been really good looking, to David. We have a great lineage. And so in order to understand this lineage and our superior DNA, we will meet in groups every Friday. Now, if you don't feel comfortable with a group, just come for the worship and the Bible study. If you're comfortable with a group, praise the Lord, because the groups are great, because in these groups, you are going to be meeting your distant cousins, sisters, aunts, and moms, <laughs> and great-great-grandmothers, and you're going to study together some of your relatives and their lives. 
You're going to together discuss the promises of God and how they apply to you. You're going to talk about the faithfulness of God. You're going to hear the testimonies of your relatives. You're going to extol together the grace of God. You're going to find similarities to your own testimony in the testimony of others. You're going to find some common ancestral tendencies. You're going to learn the power of God's promises, and you're going to grow in your knowledge of God's word, and you're going to strengthen your faith. We will worship together the great king that we are all related to by faith and by grace, and we are going to extol his virtues and his goodness. We will have a study on each of those mentioned in this lineage and glean lessons from their lives to apply to our lives. And there will always be women available after every study to pray with you and help you to apply the promises of God and to bring them into your life through prayer. And you will learn, most of all, that you are royalty, that you are part of the greatest royal line. And God's grace is on you. God's grace is for you. God's grace is with you. And God's grace has placed you in the royal line of Jesus Christ. When I was a little girl, my father used to tell me stories of some of um, his aunts and uncles and some of the people I was related to. And honestly, some of these people, you're like, really? I'm related to that? He used to tell me about his great-grandmother, or his grandmother might, would have been my great-grandmother, and how she always wore lace cuffs and would refuse to do any work because of the lace cuffs. She couldn't do dishes. She couldn't dust. She couldn't hold babies with runny noses because her cuffs, they were very expensive imported lace. And she would always pull a bottle out from a pocket, and she would take sips of it. And every time she'd do, she'd be like, ooh, bitter, bitter, bitter medicine, bitter, bitter, bitter. But they later learned that it was not medicinal at all. <laughs> I learned of an uncle, a second cousin of my father's, who fought in World War II in the Pacific. I learned of an aunt named Dizzy Dot, who I actually got to meet who thought my father was the lost dauphin of France and should go claim the throne. And she used to, wherever she saw um, a fleur-de-lis, she would cut it out. It didn't matter if it was on a paper towel roll or um, other um, sundries. She would cut it out and she would put it in a manila envelope and give it to him. And all these fleur-de-lis, like, go claim the throne, which would be kind of hard when you don't even speak French. I learned of my own grandmother, a godly woman who loved to garden, raise her own tomatoes, and made her own ketchup. To me, that was pretty important. And would always say, Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. But as wonderful as my heritage was, and as um, fascinating as it was to learn about all those characters I was related to, I have a better heritage in Christ than any other heritage out there. And I share that heritage with you, my sisters in Christ. So let's take this year to study our true heritage, our spiritual heritage of faith together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for these, these men and women, Lord, 
that went before us, who believed your promises, who held on to faith in the son that would come. And now, Lord, we can hold on to faith in the son that came. Lord, thank you that we all meet together in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would bless us this year, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might know all that is ours through Christ Jesus. Lord, that you would open up our hearts, Lord Jesus, that we might embrace all those that are related to us through the heritage of faith. And Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, give us a thirst, Lord, a thirst to know you and to know your word and to know, Lord, those who have gone before us in the heritage of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask together corporately for a blessing upon these Fridays, upon this time that we share together, Lord Jesus, and a blessing upon every woman who has come, who has committed, and who is here. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.